You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Torah Sparks Podcast. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Bishalach, a very monumental very meaningful, very profound. Obviously, all of the parshios are. But Bishalach, the Jewish people, became B'nai Yisrael as they crossed the sea in 12 different avenues the sea split. This is the parsha of Uz Yashir, Moshe, Uvnei Yisrael, Esashi. Imagine, like, I just end up saying the whole thing. Right, this is the parsha of Uz Yashir. It's, it's monumental, I say, because... The Jewish people were finally free from the bondage of Egypt. You know, it wasn't really till the sea the sea splitting where the Jewish people were free. Yeah, they already had left about a week ago from Egypt, from Mitzrayim. But remember, Mitzrayim came, they changed, they had a change of heart and they came running after the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were at this crossroads, they had their hair knocked. They were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Coming from behind them were these blood-curdling Egyptians ready to pounce on them, say, come back as our slaves or we'll kill you. In front of them was this raging sea. On the sides of them, the Medrash tells us, were wild animals. There was no way you look north, east, south, west, which, by the way, is an acronym for news, or snoo, or wens, okay, uh, fine, what that will do for you, I'm not sure, but now, they, now, now you know, so northeast, by the way, I was just thinking, actually, southwest, I believe, flies south and west, I think maybe that's why it's called southwest, like the airline company, um, anyways, I know a lot of people are, are mad about, mad at them now, so we're not going to, not going to dwell on them. Apologize if you had any, you know, bad experiences flying on, on one of those airlines. Okay, so the Jewish people, right, left, back, straight, where are they supposed to go? And if you think about it, it was at that moment where they cried out to Hashem. And the Medrash says, it's compared, Yonasi Bechag Ve'asela. It's like the dove bird in the crannies of the rock. And on one side, I believe the Medrash says that this um, this bird was trying to, this big giant eagle, some type of dangerous bird was trying to come get it. And then inside the nooks in the cranny where this Yona, where this dove was nestling itself and trying to hide, all of a sudden there was like a snake coming for it. Where should I go? What should I do? You know the place to turn? The Eibushter, Hakadosh Baruch Hashem. You see, you can be surrounded by all sides, laterally speaking, horizontally speaking, right, left, straight, back, northwest, southeast. The news. You could be surrounded by the news. Okay, but there's one locale. There's one area. There's one location. There's one place where you actually have a sense of freedom. And that is up. The direction of up is never closed. Think about a pot, right? pot is surrounded on all sides. And there's really no way out of the dark place, of the internal of the pot. 
except if you go up. And it's interesting because Chazal actually referred to Mitzrayim as a kedera, as a pot. So the whole irony of it is that the Jewish people were in this pot and they were surrounded all, on all sides, physically speaking, but there was one direction that was not closed off to them. And that was the direction of up. It was the upwards direction, connecting to their Father in Heaven, connecting, reaching out to Hashem, saying, Hashem, help us. And ultimately they were saved. And we know what happened. Nachshon ben Aminadav ultimately jumped in. You got to be like Nachshon. Yeah, standing by the seashore. <clears throat> what are we supposed to do? <clears throat> Nachshon ben Aminadav decided, you know what, I'm going to jump in. And he jumped in. And it's it's really a, a lesson for us. You know, the ability to jump in, even though, though something looks looks scary. You know, I... I think I've said this this mashal before. One of my favorite parables are the, is is the following. You know, imagine imagine the National Geographic photographers. You ever see National Geographic? They get the most stunning, the most exquisite, the most exceptional, the most beautiful, picturesque pictures and video footage. But the question is, how do they do it? Do they have cameras? worth millions of dollars? So you might say, yeah. I've done research, maybe $5,000. So yeah, it's expensive, but someone can afford that. What's the difference between me and the National Geographic photographers? How are they able to get the most amazing, the most different, the most breathtaking footage? And the answer is like this. You see, you and I, when we are traveling the world. I don't travel the world, but let's say you're traveling the world. Or if you're around, okay, and you, you, you see a buoy in the ocean, it says, do not swim beyond this point. Dangerous sharks are here. Or you're climbing a mountain, and there's a sign, a warning sign in red and yellow and all the scary colors. And it says, warning, avalanche may occur. Do not climb here. And you go out in the wild, you know, and there's a big warning sign in the middle of the sand. It says, warning, do not enter here. Dangerous animals lie ahead. Whatever the sign says, whatever the case may be. You see, you and I, when we see those signs of danger, those warning signs, we say, hold up, I'm not going there. And we turn away, rightfully so, as you should. But these photographers and these videographers for National Geographic, when when they see those warning signs, when they see those danger signs, when they see those signs that are projecting risk and potential danger beyond this point, they look at it as an entrance way. And that's exactly where they go. They look at these signs and say, that's where everyone else is going to stop. That's where we are going to go. And therefore, they travel to the dangerous, the most exquisite parts of the ocean. And they capture unbelievable footage of, you know, orcas and killer whales. And that's the same thing. It's on my mind because I think in the news, there's been this uh, bunch of dead whales have been showing up on the shore in New York. I don't understand. But killer whale and orca is the same thing, science fact. And you see footage of sharks and uh, squids and 
these strangest parts of the ocean you've never been to. That's where they go. And they capture footage of, you know, hyenas attacking zebras and places that you and I wouldn't go to. And they go uh, on the top of these cliffs where it says, warning, do not enter. There might be an avalanche or something like that. And that's where they go and they capture footage of these goats like traversing on the edge of a mountain. How do they get that footage? Because they go where you and I don't. They see a danger sign, a warning sign as an invitation. You see, in Hebrew, the word for danger is sakana. Sakana, danger. But if you rearrange those same letters, it spells another word, far different of meaning. It spells kenisa. Kenisa is an entrance. And my friends, it's a lesson for us in our lives. And no, we should not be going to these danger zones. But in life, figuratively speaking, there are danger signs, there's risk factors, there's nervousness, there's out-of-my-comfort-zone signs. Don't do this, our Yitzhahar tells us. It is beyond your capabilities. Fear me. The Yitzhahar tells us, go, don't go beyond this point. Greatness lies on the other, on the other side. Whatever the Yitzhahar tells us tries to instill within us fear, trepidation, no, you can't grow. You can't achieve more. Come on. Let's be real. Come on. Me and you, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. But the way to view it is, no, we're going to get the most exquisite, the most breathtaking, the most amazing, most beautiful footage. But we got to enter into that danger zone, into that risk factor zone, into the out of the box, out of our comfort zone zone. We got to see the Sakana, this Sakana, I'm not sure how I'm saying it. We got to see the Sakana, the danger, as a Kenisa, as an entranceway to something bigger and be- and better. And, you know, it was a great Sakana. There was a great danger over here when the Jewish people were at this situation with the Egyptians behind them and the anim- wild animals on the side and the ra- raging sea in front of them. But Nachshon saw it not as a danger sign, but as a Knesset, as an entranceway. And he plunged, he made the plunge, and he jumped in, and the sea ended up splitting. And it's a message for us for the rest of time to be like Nachshon, to be able to jump into situations where there might be something uncomfortable over here, and it's easier for me to stay where I am. But we have to say no and be like, okay, we're going to be like Nachshon and jump right in. This actually could be an understanding, a deeper understanding. You know, our sages tell us that um, there's, a, there's a connection between Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea, and marriage. Because I'll say it's kosh, it's just as difficult, you know, finding zivugim, shiduchim, marriage and and the splitting of the sea. So one answer to that could be it's just as difficult, meaning... It's so easy for Hashem, just right? There's no difficulty when it comes to Hashem. So as difficult as it was for him to split the sea, that's how difficult it can be for him to, you know, arrange a shidduch. Meaning it's so easy for him, we just have to, you know, obviously there, there, there's other factors and the timing and this and that, but it's not hard for Hashem. I mean, that's obvious. Something's not hard for Hashem. But there's another deeper meaning, I think, with this connection between Kriyas Yamsuf marriage and Nachshon, the one who actually 
cause the Kriya Samsav. And that is sometimes in a relationship. It's a message for, for, for marriage, but for any relationship. And that is sometimes you got to be like Nachshon. And that is, you know, you might not agree with everything. It might not, the situation might not look like, you know, you wouldn't have painted this on your own. You wouldn't have set this up. You wouldn't have made this play call. But now that this is the situation, Nachshon, you're going to jump in. You're going to be mavata. You're going to jump in. You're going to say, okay, I trust that this is what's best for me. You're going to look at it not as a sakana, but as a knisa, as an entranceway. In fact, knisa, besides meaning entranceway, also means, if you look, it's replete in the Gemara and in, in, throughout Ksubis, knisa kansa is, is marriage. So it, it's really a lesson in that as well. I wanted to end off with um, the following. You ever, you ever like see a celebrity, someone famous, and you like feel so, <clears throat> you feel so like elevated yourself. You feel like kind of cool. Like you, you, you touch the same garbage can that you saw that famous person throw their can of Coke in. Or like I remember when I was on a airplane, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I remember I was on an airplane. I remember seeing, I was flying back from Florida a bunch of years ago. I remember seeing Nick Marquez. Nick Marquez was an all-star left field, right fielder, sorry, for the Baltimore Orioles. So basically a minor leaguer. I'm kidding. So he, he was he was a great, great baseball player. Anyways, I remember seeing him on, on a flight, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I remember when I got home, I told my friends and my family, like, you don't understand, I saw Nick Markakis. Like, thinking about it, like, years later, like, okay, I saw Nick Markakis, and he saw me. Or I mean, no, he probably didn't, but... I, Okay, fine, it was kind of cool. But again, we have this thing where, like, we see someone famous, it, it gets to us, like, wow, look look, look how look how cool. We try to, like, say, oh, I know him, I saw him, or this or that, I'm somehow connected to him, even though you might not be. And it, what, I, we do this because it's part of our, our psychology. Um, there's something called celebrity syndrome. But, you know, I, I wanted to take it with the, with the following... Um, lesson, and that is what creates a close relationship. Is it proximity, physical proximity? Oh, I was this. I was four and a half feet away from you know this this famous person. I, now, now have more faith in me, and now I'm so important. Or right, physical proximity. You know, let me ask you another question about proximity. Who's closer to God? Is somebody who's in space, an astronaut in space, or someone who's a deep sea diver? Now. You could say, well, what do you mean? Someone who's in space, you're closer to God because Father in Heaven. When it comes to a relationship with Hashem, physical proximity does not determine relationship, doesn't determine, doesn't showcase true connection. Um, it's like that when it comes to famous people, celebrities, and in our relationship with Hashem. Physical proximity doesn't show one's connection. The guy on the deepest, lowest place on earth can be the closest to Hashem, because a relationship with Hashem is about a deep, meaningful connection. It's about Zekei Liv Yanveyu, which is this week's parsha in Yashir. It's about Zekei Liv. This is my God, Yanveyu. Now I'm going to actually do something about that. I'm going to take this relationship that I have and build on it and beautify it and make it different and special and unique to me. And, and, and that's where a real relationship, it's about not physical proximity, but about the synergistic energy between the two entities, between the, the two different factors involved, between the two beings involved, in this case, man and God. 
And the more we include Hashem in our lives, and the more He is, Kaylee, He's our God, He's my God, and you have that personal connection with Him, and you see Him as part of who you are. You know, I'll tell you something, a story that happened not too long ago. <laughs> it happened today. So uh, I was talking with, uh, with a bunch of guys after shul. Obviously, it was after shul, not during shul. And we were talking outside. I don't remember what we were talking about, but it was probably about like... Uh, nothing that important, but a guy, an older gentleman came over to us and he's like, oh, what real estate deals are you guys coming up with today? Like, huh? I'm not even in real estate. Like, what, what, was, what is he talking about? And he was just trying to be nice and he walked away. As he's walking away, I'm like, I'm like to him, actually, you know, funny you mention it, you know, we all have, we're all involved in a real estate deal. You know, Hashem, the realest of them all, the most real entity out there, he put an estate, he put a piece of him inside of us. There's a real estate. There's a real piece of Hashem inside each and one of us. It's called our neshama. It's a chilak aloka mima'al. And so yeah, we're all involved in this these real estate deals. We all have a piece of Hashem, a real estate, the, mo- the, most, the, the most real real estate you can ever imagine, the most valuable real estate you can ever afford. And it's yours. Hashem gave it to you. And so when we tap into Zach Kegli and realize that, wow, there's the, that aspect in me, that part of me, that's a part of Him. And you're part of that oneness. And wow, it, it opens your mind. And now you, with that awareness, you want to live that life where you're beautifying Him and you're making the world a better place and showing other people about the beauty of this relationship. Zek Kaylee, when you have a deep connection with Hashem, when Hashem is Kaylee and, and you have that personal connection and you live with that passion and with that excitement, then you'll be able to give that off to your friends, to your family, to your children, because they will see, wow, look at this powerful connection. Look at this real estate deal. Look at this posit- positive guy. Look at this meaningful person. Look at this growing yid. Anyways, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Torah Sparks podcast. If you enjoy this content, please leave a rating. Please leave a review. Um, this podcast was powered by Motivate, which is a new chat that I started, a WhatsApp chat. If you'd like to join, it's a, it's a platform i am going to be posting um you know a couple times a week maybe daily uh, some type of motivational content torah based you know some of my short videos um could be blurbs other pictures things like that if you'd like to get involved um then definitely hit me up let me know and i'll be happy to add you to the chat um anyways thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the torah sparks podcast You know the drill. If you didn't sign up yet, you know, subscribe, please do so. And leave a comment, leave a rating. I appreciate it. It goes a long way. And with that, I'll see you next time. Have a good one and have a good Shabbos.